on on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. But suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came and clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, on this resurrection Sabbath, as we contemplate that great day, when the disciples gathered together to be with each other in light of the resurrection, we too come together here today to reflect on this incredible event of you coming back from the dead. And we pray as always for insight and understanding into who you are, into who we are, and into the kind of relationship you're calling us into with you, with each other, and with ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to see everybody uh, here today. Thank you for uh, being with us to worship on this Resurrection Sabbath. As you know, we are in the midst of our spring series uh, where we're always wrestling with the implications of Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection. And again, today we are talking about the resurrection. You know, we've kind of made our own holiday here at Avent Hope. Uh, We celebrated Easter last week and Holy Saturday, but... uh, We imagine what it must have been like on that first Sabbath when the disciples gathered back together, as was their tradition, uh, in light of the resurrection. And so today we are coming and being thoughtful about uh, what the resurrection means for us. Now, I should just mention a few things about what's been happening in our community. So, you know, COVID is alive and well, and uh, we had an outbreak among the staff here, Stephen and Michelle. In fact, Michelle was going to preach for us on Resurrection Sabbath, and I see Michelle is online with us today, and I think she's doing well and recovering, but Michelle and Stephen, they got COVID. My daughter, Susanna, COVID, and so we're actually on uh, quarantine. I'm, they locked me in uh, the office here, so the door is shut, and I am quarantined away uh, from every, everyone. Uh, at this point, the rest of the stouts are doing okay. None of us have con- contracted it yet somehow, miraculously. Uh, and Susanna is doing doing fine, and uh, we're thankful for the vaccine and uh, that everybody is recovering quickly, as for Stephen and Michelle as well. But uh, it's been a little bit of a wild week, and I know there are others in the Avid Hope community also down with it. New York is kind of getting flooded with COVID again. Anyway, we are here glad to be uh, with us and uh, glad to celebrate this Resurrection Sabbath. I should also mention that... Uh, Right now, over on the campus of Columbia University Advent Collegiate, where Alex and Stephen, or Stephen was supposed to be, uh, they are celebrating the Collegiate Summit. So we have split worship services today 
here in the Avent Hope community and then over on Columbia's campus. It's an exciting day despite uh, the outbreak that we've had. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about the resurrection today and uh, our passage is uh, one of the four passages that describe the immediate after effect of the resurrection. And so we get a picture here of uh, these two women, uh, Mary Magdalene and uh, Mary, thought to be Mary, the mother of Jesus, going to the tomb after the Sabbath, early on the first day of the week. And uh, they go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And in fact, there's an angel there. I love this description. The angel comes down. Um, I was reading a, a, a commentary on this, and the, uh, the implication of the text in Matthew is that the angel came down to roll away the tomb, not to release Jesus from the tomb. He had already been released, uh, stone or no stone, but to, to be able to show the women into the tomb to see that Jesus was gone. So Jesus wasn't waiting on the angel to, to open that stone. Jesus had been resurrected, and now the angel wanted to show the women who were going to tell the world. And this is actually a prominent fact of the story that women are the first evangelists, that they're there, they are there to communicate the good news. The, the angel tells them and explains what's uh, going on. He gives them a message uh, from Jesus, and they head out on their, their way. And as they head out, almost like Jesus, he couldn't restrain himself. He was like, I got I to gotta be with my people. And so he comes down and meets with these two women himself. And uh, the, the angel, angel's message wasn't enough. And so Jesus meets with the angels or with, the, with the, the women, and they become the first ones to meet Jesus after the resurrection. This, again, is prominent because in the first century uh, Israel society, women's testimony was not uh, deemed as, as worthy of proving anything. So the fact that Jesus would come down and make sure that his first interaction was with these two women and then to invite them to go and be the first evangelist, to be the first ones to tell the good news is, is an incredible uh, narrative. Uh, Jesus bringing equality and equity into the story of the gospel and uh, using women as the first preachers. Those who think uh, women shouldn't be preaching the good news have clearly uh, not read uh, the gospel story where Jesus himself empowers them to, to teach and share with the, the men. And so off they go. And then there's this description of them that says that they were excited, yet they were afraid. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're, you're excited that something has happened or something's going to happen, but you're also a little bit trepidatious about what has happened. And this is really our theme for today, this idea of being excited, but also afraid. You can't read this resurrection story without getting the sense that everybody, as excited as they may have been, were a little bit afraid of what was going on, afraid of Jesus, <laughs> afraid of, of uh, God, and afraid of the circumstances. And so this is a prominent theme in the resurrection story. Fear, the soldiers, terrified by the angel of the Lord, so afraid that they become like uh, dead people. And, uh, and then the, the women were afraid of what they were hearing. And then even when they met Jesus, Jesus had to say, don't be afraid. Four times in the verse, we have this theme of fear and Jesus trying to assuage the fear of those uh, first people who came to be with him. And so it's this theme that we want to talk about today as we think about the resurrection. Uh, being joyful and excited, but also 
afraid. And so our question today is, why does Jesus' resurrection incite some fear in us? What is it about the resurrection that incites fear? And as always, there's a number of responses, but I've got three for you today. Why is it that the resurrection, as exciting as it is, uh, why does it also incite some fear? Well, firstly, I think it's pretty clear. You know, death is the most inevitable thing on planet Earth. You've, you've heard the saying, death and taxes. We just, you know, had to submit taxes a few days ago, but death and taxes, it's an inevitability. And so death is the most inevitable thing on Earth. It's something we can all count on. If, and if there's something more powerful than death, it must be incredibly powerful and that can be a little terrifying. I mean, death itself is terrifying. So the idea that there is something more powerful than the most inevitable thing on the planet, that, is, that can be a little disconcerting. And so we, we have to kind of reconcile first with death. You know, death is such an unnatural experience. I, I say that even though the fact that death is inevitable. I mean, everybody who's ever lived on the planet has experienced death, except for a few in the Bible uh, narrative. But... We all experience death. We all know someone who's died. We all have a trajectory that's going to lead to our own death. It's something that is uncomfortable, that we don't like to talk about. Um, and, uh, and so death itself is fearful, and it's so powerful because there's no one, doesn't matter how wealthy you are, doesn't matter how fit you are, there is no one who has been able to overcome the inevitability of death on their own. And so in one sense, it's the most powerful force on the planet. We all experience death at some time. And so the resurrection, though, <laughs> confronts that reality with something even more powerful than death. And something that powerful is a little bit uh, terrifying. It's hard to wrap our minds around something that can overcome the inevitability of death. And so this idea of resurrection, there's excitement, but there's also a little bit of fear. And Jesus knew that he had to assuage the fear of the first disciples because they were afraid as they were starting to be reconciled with the reality of what this meant, that death, that inevitable thing, was not permanent, that it could be overcome. Secondly, resurrection can incite fear because as we look into the resurrection, we recognize that there is more going on in the universe than we might perceive. As soon as we start talking about resurrection, suddenly our minds are open to a new reality. There's a lot more to reality that will be experienced on a day-to-day -day basis, and that can be incredibly intimidating. I mean, apparently the universe is a lot bigger than we might imagine. You know, we get comfortable in our kind of little spheres of life. We make ourselves comfortable, and, uh, you know, sometimes we might venture out from that comfort zone and learn new things and engage something. Some of us like doing that. Um, but in the case of something as profound as death, moving beyond that and being open to a new reality, that can be intimidating. And uh, to know that there are things going on in the universe that are beyond our comprehension. Uh, powers and principalities bigger and, and uh, more powerful than we can possibly imagine. And the resurrection opens up a view into this broader reality and again that can be that can be a little terrifying to think that there are things that we don't see and that we're not aware of that are happening in the universe that are out of our control and that can incite fear it's a little hard to wrap the mind around and so 
again, intimidation. And finally, the resurrection itself can create anxiety because the resurrection proves that Jesus isn't just some great moral teacher, but that Jesus is the Christ of scriptures. You know, certainly Jesus was a, a compelling teacher, and there are many people who like to think of Jesus only in that context. He was a great teacher, a great philosopher, uh, recognized by people of many faiths and, and no faith. I mean, certainly you read the Sermon on the Mount, and there's just profound realities about how we're to live with each other. And so some of us, we like Jesus in that context, Jesus as a great teacher of uh, ethics. But the resurrection proves that Jesus is more than just that. He's more than just a teacher or a great philosopher. There have been many great philosophers in human history. History has been littered with teachers and philosophers. But the resurrection confirms that Jesus was himself the God of the Bible, who couldn't be restrained by death. And the implication of this is that Jesus is more than we could imagine. And that he is who he claimed he was. He is the Christ. And that means that all of the things that he taught are not just uh, uh, ideas, but are things that can be uh, lived and realized through his power. I mean, this is the reality of the resurrection, that we're talking about power that the universe had never seen before. Great God who has raised Jesus from the dead and that Christ, the Christ, the long-awaited Christ is alive and well. And so Jesus isn't just a great teacher. He is the Christ of scripture. And that means we have to come to terms with him as that, not just as someone who's giving us great counsel or great advice. Jesus is the Christ. And so that leads to our final question today. Wow, okay, well, <laughs> you know, there, there are some things to fear in the resurrection. There's a reason why Jesus had to assuage the fears of the two Marys and assuage the fears. Each time he came to his disciples, he had to assuage their fear initially. There's a reason for that because the implications of the resurrection are so profound. And so the question for us today is how do we overcome our fear of Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Christ of the resurrected Jesus and not be apprehensive about the fact that this has happened, but embrace it. Well, I think the, 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 a starting point is to consider what happened with Jesus' own disciples. In John chapter 21, we read of uh, this. This is a, a narrative of after Jesus' resurrection and he's engaging with his disciples. This is John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. It says, afterward, <laughs> meaning there are some things that had happened, uh, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. So this is the resurrected Jesus. He now has appeared to the disciples several times, and here he is appearing to them again. So he appears to them by the Sea of Galilee. They're back home. They're back in their neighborhood. And uh, they're, they're still wrestling with the implications of Jesus is, as the risen Christ. It happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas... Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. They're back in their old neck of the woods. Simon said, I'm going out to fish. And they all said, well, we're going to go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they didn't catch anything. And so early in the morning, there was Jesus standing on the shore. 
But the disciples, they didn't realize that it was Jesus. And so he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And they answered, no. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the nets uh, because of the number of fish, the incredible number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garb around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat. Peter jumped out and they smartly decided we're going to stay in the boat and we're going to just row the boat. And so they rowed the boat, towing the net full of fish for they weren't far from the shore, about a hundred yards out. All these details kind of give a richness and realism to the the story. So they're a hundred yards out. They bring their fish in and uh, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. They dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. All of these are, are uh, implications of the miraculous nature of this, uh, of this uh, fishing experience that they had had. And so Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, I love breakfast. I don't know what your feelings are about breakfast, but the idea of sitting down to breakfast with the <laughs> resurrected Jesus is pretty profound and, so, and, and mundane. I love the, the mundaneness of this, right? Jesus has been resurrected. He's now with his disciples and he invites them to come and bring some fish and they're going to have a fish fry for breakfast. And uh, we're told that none of the disciples dared to ask him. See, there's again that sense of fear and apprehension. Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. They knew it was the Christ. They knew it was the Messiah. Now they had a full understanding of who, who Jesus was. And so Jesus came, he took the bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with this, the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Well, what does this tell us about overcoming any apprehension about engaging with God, engaging with the resurrected Jesus? It tells them, I, I think it's, it's, it's clear, there is something about uh, repetition and experience and continuing to meet with Jesus. If, 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 if we're a little apprehensive about the, the reality of God and the reality of Jesus and who he is, and the reality of the resurrection, the only way we overcome that apprehension is by continuing to meet with Jesus. The disciples are there now having breakfast with Jesus and they start to relax a little bit. In fact, the narrative goes on. We'll talk about this later. The narrative goes on. Jesus' interaction with Peter and the disciples start to, to, to recognize and, 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 and grow in faith and relationship with Jesus again. And so how does that happen? How do we overcome our fear with God? Uh, how do we overcome our fear of Jesus and the resurrection? We keep meeting with him. We keep engaging with him. He invites us into relationship with him. We share in that relationship. And so today, as we wrestle with the implications of the resurrection, we recognize that there are scary things that are happening in the world. And some of us may be a little bit afraid of God and who he is and, and what he's doing and why he doesn't do what we want him to do all the time and, and uh, what he's really all about. And today we can learn from this story of those women who meet with Jesus and were excited but afraid. And we can learn from the story of the disciples who kept engaging with Jesus that despite the 
somewhat terrifying nature of a great God who oversees the universe that we can come to be in relationship with this God as we keep engaging and keep meeting with Him and allowing Him to engage us. And in that, we can have peace and we can exist in joy and we can have hope. I mean, if there is anything that we get out of the story of resurrection, it is that our fears can be turned to hope, to hope. And in this broken world where there is so much to be afraid of, I know some of you have some fears. Some of you are afraid of COVID. Some of you are afraid of your, uh, your work situation. Some of you are afraid of relationships that you, you may have or you may feel like you're going to uh, lose. Some of you are fa- afraid of just the state of this, this broken world. But in the story of the resurrection, in the reality of the resurrection, we can have hope. Hope that God is in control of all things and that God is going to make things right. In fact, we read in Romans, the Apostle Paul, he says it like this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How we not also, along with him, graciously be given all things? Who will bring any charge against us? It is God who justifies. Who then condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. Here's the resurrection. Christ Jesus who died, but more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword as it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In these fearful times, we can have peace and joy and hope that it was rested in the resurrected Jesus. May you have that hope and peace and joy today. Amen.